Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If you are, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has tons of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you, along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours too. So do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 188 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries, the podcast that you've come to know and love and then get annoyed by because we stayed too long, and then maybe we start helping with chores around the house, and you start to think, oh, this podcast isn't that bad after all. I guess they can stay. My name is Josh, and I'm here with my co-host, Mike. And and Mike, is, is there anything else that can fucking happen to bring on the apocalypse? I don't think, uh, I don't know if there I is. I mean, an alien uh, invasion? <laughs> yeah, I think that's really the trifecta here. Uh, World-threatening pandemic, riots in the streets, and yes, I definitely think aliens need to be the third. And then uh, dogs and cats living together. <laughs> Mass hysteria! Yes. <laughs> So the world's been, if if shit wasn't annoying enough with this pandemic crap that everybody is fucking sick of at this point. I don't, even the most liberal, uh, we got to be careful because cause grandma, I think even those people are starting to be like, okay, I think it's about time to like start getting well, shit I mean, back in order here. With, from my perspective... And from other people's perspective that live in Clark County, we are ready to reopen. Uh, and there's other counties in Washington that have reopened. But because of the dumb fucks at a food processing plant in Clark County who didn't use the proper protocols and ended up having over 70 positive cases of coronavirus, our phase two plan is paused indefinitely. So we have to wait. That's a fun. That's a fun yeah. word. Whenever you're trying mm-hmm. to get back to work, so we have to wait for uh, the state to confirm that uh, we should be going into phase two. Whenever that fucking happens, right? So if the food processing plant, processing plant wasn't being fucking stupid, then uh, I probably would be getting hours at work again. But uh, since they were being dumb and not following the right protocols, which is incredibly uh, idiotic considering the fact that they're working with food. And not only that, they are in a tight enclosed space with all these different workers that are crammed together in one essential, essentially one box. And you're not going to follow proper protocols. It, you but, know, yeah. again, like people talk about all this stuff on social media like it's so important, but I, I've seen it. You know, I've been out to, you know, bars and 
little establishments that kind of skirted around being open by offering food and technically being uh-huh. a food establishment and not a bar. And uh, everybody at these places don't give two fucks about social distancing. They don't give two fucks about sanitizing their hands. There's like two people wearing masks. It's like people do not practice uh-huh. what they preach on social who, media. Who, who uh, well, I mean, that's probably, I would probably say that, you know, I, I'm not going to make that bold assumption but oh, i'm gonna say that there there's probably some people there's probably a, a good chunk of people on social media that don't practice what they pre what they preach but that's an that's the norm for a lot of things and, and that's people called who practice who who preach people who preach usually don't always practice what they preach yeah and that's called virtue signaling it's when you make this almost like no shit sherlock statement on social media just so you can show everyone how goddamn virtuous and moral you are like for mm-hmm. instance today some one of my friends posted a meme and it said a diagram of a woman and it was just like this you know not an actual woman but you know like almost one of those figures you'd use in drawing class just a generic yeah. shape of a woman and uh-huh. it's like pointing to all these areas of her body and every single area it said not your property not your property and it's like no shit man you know no shit who who are you like preaching to right now cuz all your friends believe this same exact thing all you're doing is just virtue signaling for the sake of virtue signaling and it's annoying because the real people who need to hear those messages are people that you're not even friends with on facebook because you don't keep them in your inner sanctum in your inner circle and so you're preaching to the fucking choir right now exactly it's annoying that's and that's happening uh with uh the current uh situation with uh, the uh, protests and and with the riots and things like that, where there are a lot of Facebook, I've seen so many Facebook posts from people that are sharing opinions that I I I I just I haven't unfriended them. I just put them on. I don't want to see their posts on my timeline anymore. Unfollow is a beautiful yeah, feature unfollow. on Facebook. Yes, it really is. Yeah, and let me just say real quick, we are a podcast about covering unexplained and unsolved mysteries, but we always do this kind of intro at the top of the podcast where we just kind of talk about current events for a little bit. We're going to get to the the mysteries, folks, but if we we don't address what's going on right now, it's like the fucking elephant in the room that we're ignoring. And a lot of you people have come to value our opinions to some certain degree so maybe you want our takes on what's happening now so that's what we're talking about no honestly do you really want to hear what these two idiots have to say about such a sensitive topic you came here for some unsolved mysteries not to hear two bumbling buffoons try to make sense of the world, so let's just save 20 minutes of your life and skip ahead yeah. In closing, I'm happy that uh, the protests will maybe shine a light more, uh, uh, even more so on the reform that is needed in de-escalation yes. tactics. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking. I couldn't even watch the video, the George Floyd video. It, just, I heard about it. I saw clips of it, and I just felt awful. For him and, and his family's been so great. How they've been handling the media. Oh yeah, his brother came out and and said a really did, did he had a really good message to people. Yes, um, 
Yeah, they which took a lot of courage on his part to come out right. and, and and do that. Yeah, so I mean, I, I I the good parts of that have come out of this, I'm all for, but it's it's the the other parts that kind of come into the conversation where I'm like, "Well, hold on a second, you know. Let's not go the let's not go that far with 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 this, you know. It's easy like all cops, yeah, you all know, cops, every, every, every yeah. you know, like uh, like yeah, I there's certain th- there's certain parts to this whole thing where I'm like, okay, let's pump the brakes on that on that narrative because that's not going to get us anywhere. We should police ourselves like no, like yeah. So <laughs> we are not ready to police ourselves. So moving on from that topic to a more lighter, I guess, topic. Yes. Mike, you brought up uh drinking uh and and I said you hit close to home. Well, Two days ago, uh, while drinking, a friend was over, and uh, I decided to get high for the first time in, like, uh, 10, 15 years. (laughs) And I was reminded that I fucking hate marijuana, and I hate getting high. Man, that shit made me... Another panic attack? I didn't have a panic attack, but I was out of my gourd. I I was Mm -hmm. talking about shit. At one point... Like, I started complaining about how I hate when I go to parties and uh, you go in the bathroom and on the sink there's all these tubes of hairspray and product and, and it's like, you know, can't you just clean your shit off if you know you're having people over? Now, this is a complaint that it would have taken me like hour three in a long car ride to finally get to. After we've talked about everything yeah. else possible. I mean, you kind of have a point, then, but yeah. Then I I, mean. <laughs> it's just the most random complaint yeah. that it, it. I would have had to have talked to someone for five hours before I got to that complaint. That'd be like, oh, I hate it when you go to parties and they, they use like a, a certain, you know, a cheaper brand of toothpick for, you yeah, know, exactly. like, you know, you'd be like, but, but on weed, <laughs> that was like the second thing I brought up 15 minutes into the conversation. Oh man. The first being, uh, it, it sounds like just so goddamn stereotypical pothead. I said, Wow, grass. Isn't it crazy? It's like everywhere. It's like it's like the hair of the earth. <laughs> so that just kind of that just shows you how how I went. That sounds like a, that's that's such a hippie. Just the most you know, stereotypical just just like weed, man. Yeah, like grass. It's like the hair. Like grass is like everywhere, man. It's crazy, and it's like Earth's hair. <laughs> so just so cringy. And the thing is, the person I was hanging out with, this was like the second time we had ever hung out. So she didn't know how I was on weed. I feel. I feel like I should have. I should constantly, anytime I go out... I should, was she, like, constantly looking at you, like, what is No, she was high, too, so she thought way. it was awesome. She thought she thought I was being uh, hilarious and... <laughs> just being deep, just like, ha, 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 yeah, yeah, she, she's, yeah, she thought I was being, you know, because I told her, I was like, I am not normally like this, oh my god. <laughs> and the thing about weed is, it's it's such an introspective drug. It For me, personally, it makes me so self-aware of everything i'm saying i was constantly apologizing to her i was like oh my Mm -hmm. god i'm so sorry i didn't mean it that way and and not that i think you are that way 
And she's like, dude, it's literally fine. And I'm like, I know, I know. I'm like over apologizing right now. I don't know what my problem is. Like, blah, blah, blah. It just. Well, I mean, drugs react to people's systems differently. So. And I never, I'm never that like considerate of people's feelings. I say, (laughs) I say jackass shit all the time. And I don't think twice about how it might affect someone. But on weed, I'm like the polar opposite. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean, I hope you didn't take that the wrong way. That's not how I meant it. And and, and I'm just. (laughs) I'm like, God, I am not like this. This is, I don't know who is in my head right now, but it's not me. Like, I hated it. I really did. You turn into Brendan Fraser's uh, uh, character in Bedazzled, where he's, like, super sensitive and, you know. <laughs> sure. I have, yeah, yeah, I've never seen that movie, as you, as you could have probably assumed. <laughs> but, yeah, no, that was an interesting experience that I thought I'd share. Yeah. Uh, it was awful. It took, like, three hours for me to come down, and uh, I, I just, I'm, it's not for me. And this shit was, like, from Colorado, and she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm kind of a weed snob. And she's like, uh, after, I, after I hit it, I only hit it twice. It was one of those vape pens and it had like the oil in there. And I hit the thing twice. And, and only after already smoking it did I bother to ask, so what, what, what is, what's in this? And she goes, oh, it's um, the crystals that grow on the, the weed flower itself. They're like synthesized down into an oil. So basically it was the most potent part of the plant possible. Oh my God. THC out the ass, just complete head wow. high, psychedelic as fuck, like... I am. That's the kind of stuff she should have warned you about because like, you haven't done that much weed beforehand. I can't and blame then, like, her. You, you just do the the oil. <laughs> I can't blame her because I'm because uh, I'm 31 years old and she probably thought by now this dude surely has smoked a, a, <laughs> some weed in just, his time. She made assumptions about you based on you know, and you know rightfully so. I sh- or something. I should have yeah. been able to fucking handle it. But yeah, not going to smoke weed again. And in our final last bit of intro news before we get into the segments, um, fucking Governor Ron DeSantis, can we pour out some champagne for him? That motherfucker finally opened up the bars as of this Friday, uh, June 5th. The bars will be open, and I already had one of my places I used to do karaoke at, the boot rack, the gay bar on Friday. They called me back and said, hey, you ready to get back to it? I'm like, fuck, yes, I am. And then I got offered a wedding on Saturday. So nice. life is good. And then unemployment good. unemployment finally kicked in. Uh, ret- wow. Gave me some retroactive. Yeah, it literally went from like the most abysmal I have felt in a while, like two days ago uh-huh. to now I'm like, damn, shit's going to be all right. Like very, very cool feeling. Good. Yeah. Good to hear. Yeah, it's it's definitely a a relief, a huge fucking relief. So, <laughs> yeah, folks, this actually is a podcast about unsolved mysteries. Uh, we're 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 gonna get to that uh, right now, actually. Yes. So, uh, the first case we're gonna cover is a fraud case, and this is from the vault of. Uh, forbidden segments this is the case of elena souza and i will let my co-host carry this one so in march Take it away in march of 1996 in modesto california gregario scotto and his wife eduarda 
both originally from Portugal, were hoping to find a cure for the painful migraines Eduarda suffered daily. Modern medicine had not helped at all. In desperation, the Scottos turned to Elena Souza, a woman they heard about in a radio ad. She spoke Portuguese and claimed to be a faith healer, but according to police, Elena Souza is in reality a masterful musician. Musician. <laughs> in reality, she's not a faith healer. She's just a badass guitar player. No, she's a masterful magician and con artist without peer. Yeah, she's like more like a David Copperfield's peer than yes. a, than, any, than a con artist. Some of the shit she did, uh, like Penn and Teller, but the the type that'll uh, steal your money. And yeah, funny in the wrong kind of way. Uh, yeah. Elena Souza diagnosed the cause of Eduardo's headaches very quickly. She said that the Scottos had been cursed by someone who was jealous of them. And in the segment, she's like, I, I don't understand. I don't know. I haven't done anything to anybody. Who would be jealous of me? And it was like an ex-lover of, of the husband or something. I don't know. Uh-huh. So she claimed that to lift the curse, she only needed $300. That's a red, red flag. Red flag number one. <laughs> the Scottos went to the bank and brought Sousa the money. Eduarda claimed that by the next day, her headaches had disappeared, which... I will say that is the one thing in this segment that is actually kind of remarkable. Almost makes you... It's a placebo. Right. It is a placebo, but... It, I mean, if your headaches were bad enough that you were willing to go to a faith healer... Well, yeah, but but it's similar to what you see in situations with the folks who go to the mega churches and have Peter Popoff or whoever the hell else lay their hands on them, and they're like, oh my god, I'm healed, and then... And their their symptoms are alleviated temporarily, and then uh, they come back. Yeah, or they're just the they're thing. just scripted from the get go. Yeah, like the fainting mm-hmm. and the all that bullshit. Yeah, there was a whole documentary I saw on that uh, that I won't get into. But anyway, and and two, I guess if you are somebody who believes in faith healing to begin with, then you are definitely open more open to placebo effects than the normal person, I would say. Mm-hmm. So the Scottos uh, went to the bank, gave her the money, and the next day her headaches disappeared. However, Sousa told them that the curse remained. The couple brought her, uh, brought her several items that she had requested, including a coconut. <laughs> she wrapped the coconut in a cloth and hit it with a hammer. When she opened it, she magically produced two metal rings and two crosses. According to Sousa, this meant that the Scotto's daughter would never marry and their son would die. But, you know, the never marry, let's open with that. I probably would have opened with your son will die and your daughter will never marry. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe you're saving the worst news for last. Uh, The Scottos were obviously upset and could not understand why they had been cursed. The next day, the ritual took uh, took on a more, truly bizarre turn. Sousa, quote-unquote, blessed the Scottos with a chicken, chanting prayers and swooping the bird over their heads, which is a kind of a hilarious in the oh reenactment. Oh, my God. This, this is one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen in this entire show. <laughs> of, of you know, and, and it might be, okay, I know there's, like, some chicken-related thing for a religion. I think it's called Santeria or some other thing. But... It's just so absurd, and then and they and they and they uh, shoot it straight, 
Like they take it so seriously yeah. as she's just going around with this chicken around their heads, and it's just the the sight of it is just it's just hilarious. That poor damn chicken, man. <laughs> yeah. So swooping the bird over their heads. Moments later, without any apparent cause, the chicken fell dead. She asked them to cut the chicken with a knife, but when they refused, she did it, and the chicken did not bleed. Now I'm wondering how she did that trick. How did you do it, Alina? Yeah, it seemed by uh, Stack's like, tone and how he delivered the line, that was like the one thing that I think even the staff of Unsolved Mysteries didn't quite understand, like how, that, how she managed to do that. After that, Sousa put a piece of paper in a bowl, and she told the Scottos to touch it. When she poured water over their hands, writing and a number mysteriously appeared. Now that, disappearing ink, that's easy. Yeah, easy. I'm sure there's like a reverse version of disappearing ink where if water touches it, it becomes visible. And she's been doing a lot of sleight of hand stuff right, earlier. Right. Like with the coconut and the, you know, the... the charms or whatever it was that showed up inside the coconut yeah it was she probably had it in her hand right or or she you know she already knew that they were going to bring a coconut so she had her own coconut that somehow already had that shit in there Mm -hmm. exactly so the note said that in order to lift the curse she would have to cleanse the scotto's money fifteen thousand dollars for each family member (sighs) I mean, people, I'm sorry. I understand religion plays a part in desperation, but why does anybody fall for this shit? I know. As soon as they start asking for money, aside from like the charge that they, the fee that they charge to even see them, that like, I can understand that maybe a little bit more, but um, yeah, when they start asking for that kind of money, it's just like, dude, come on. Come on now. It's like it's like the the trick on the street where a guy goes up to some random person in Las Vegas is like, "Hey, I got this envelope full of seven hundred dollars, and uh, you can keep it if you help me, and uh, I'll give me a hundred dollars, and you know, da da da." But the really, turns out to be counterfeit. Yeah, it's it's fake. It's nothing. Right. And they just walk off with a hundred dollars. So. The grand total for each family member, including the boyfriend, which that boyfriend better be grateful because he just got lumped in, you know, into this family and and, and mm-hmm. he was paid for. The grand total was $90,000. Jesus fucking That's Christ. like 1990s money. So just... Santa Maria. Santa Vaca. Uh, <laughs> so just go ahead and double that 90000 to around, uh, what, 180000 in today's money. Uh, when the Scottos said they didn't have that kind of money, Sousa assured them that they would get it, even promising to lend it to them if necessary. I don't understand how that would would have played. Yeah, into her scheme, I don't get that. That would have been her money. But anyway, uh-huh. she also assured them that nothing would happen to the money and that they would take it with them. The couple's son Eddie voiced his concerns, but the Scottos were completely under Sousa's spell. Yeah, he was like, uh, "I don't, I, you know, it's a lot of money." That's basically what his concerns were. But then he went along with it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, these people are, are obviously a very family-oriented people. He's like, I didn't agree with it, but if it's what my family wanted to do, I stand behind them 110%. And I'm like, come on, man. It's like, come on, dude. You know, fa- family, they're, they're, they're not 
they're not always the most intelligent individuals with things. Like you, sometimes, sometimes you have to be the advocate and step in and, and keep your parents from getting fucked. But as we've seen with a lot of these fraud cases, once the parents have their mind made up on something, there's they would yeah. they would just as soon cut off. But I think he didn't he have his money in there too. So I think like yeah, I think he's throwing money into he the whole to thing if he was too. Part of the family, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the um. They believed it was a matter of life and death. When they brought the cash to Sousa, their children came with them. Sousa promised the money would never leave the Scotto's possessions. She wrapped the cash in Gregorino's shirt. Is it re- oh, <laughs> Gregorio, not Gregory. Gregorino! Gregorino! What's up, brother? <laughs> Gregorio. They wrapped the cash in Gregorio's shirt and told them to take it home overnight. The next day, the Scotto's took the money back to Sousa. She had them place the bills in a cloth bag and then sewed it shut while beginning another prayer. As she prayed, she walked behind the couple, tapping them on the back with the bag. The Scottos then watched as Sousa put the bag in a metal box, locked it, and then put a chain around it and padlocked it. She promised she would unlock the box in two days. At that time, the money would be clean and the curse would be gone. And so with the money. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. She instructed the Scottos to take the box home and place it in their closet. But two days later, Sousa was nowhere to be found. The shot of the 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 box in the closet is is so it's shot in the same way as you would see a, a sequence in a horror film where they're trying to shoot something that's ominous yeah. and like scary. It's like all shadowy and dark and, you know. Ominous for their red... fucking mortgage payments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it, it is, that, I mean, that is a nightmare in a lot of ways. Oh, You know, yeah. losing that much money. Dude, that would be like, and, ugh. You work so hard for that. That's so much money, you know. I mean, I don't even know if I'll ever see that amount of money ever <laughs> in my life right now. So, yeah, I mean, it so uh ninety thousand dollars that's a lot of that's a lot of fucking money so blah 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 uh the scottos fearing the worst called the police when the police opened the box there was an identical bag to the one that had had the money in it but inside it was filled with several one dollar bills which wrapped, uh, which were wrapped with stacks of newspaper in between. So the dollar bills were yep. on the outside to make it look like a stack of money, but inside. I'm surprised they didn't just like have like monopoly yeah, money or, in there or a bunch too. of IOUs or something. I mean, and fucking coupons or like a note that says, ha, ha. Like, like literally, like the one dollar thing. <laughs> like what that would have bought her like what thirty seconds of extra time. Like as they yeah. look and go, oh, the money's still here. Mm-hmm. Wait a second, like that literally bought her like no, I don't know. There's why. just a picture of a middle finger yeah, and like, uh, <laughs> and uh, you lose, uh, sucker. <laughs> oh, I mean, technically, she was. I got your money. She wasn't wrong though, because if the saying uh, "money is the root of all evil," well, she took the money. And yeah. and left newspaper, and no one says anything bad about newspaper being the root of all evil. So she did technically cleanse well, the money. Well, the media. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess it depends on what the article was in like, the pieces of paper. Yeah. It could have been the comic section. Yeah. You know, she could, <laughs> some Calvin and Hobbes could have been in there for all we know. Yeah. 
but uh, so when the, the police opened the box, identical bag was inside. It was filled with uh, some one dollar bills and some newspaper. The Scott the Scotto's money was gone. The family was yeah. She just did a she did a, a sleight of hand again. Yeah. She's being a magician. Oh, here's your bag of money, and oh, I'm tapping it on your back while I'm handing the real money to my accomplice who's going to walk off screen. Yeah. The family was devastated at what happened. They could not believe that they put their trust with a con artist. Police believe that Suze's operation is a very sophisticated and well-planned one. She apparently knew sleight-of-hand techniques that are mm-hmm. taught in Vegas and Hollywood. Suze has been charged with grand theft. According to police, she did not work alone. Uh, one alleged accomplice, a man named Jose, apparently rented the apartment and placed ads offering Suze's services. A young woman called Maria reportedly helped prepare the sleight-of-hand tricks and allegedly was a crucial part of the money bag switch. Sousa speaks Portuguese with a Brazilian accent. I can't imagine what that would even sound like. Uh, she is most likely operating in a Latino community. Um, and the results... So this case is unsolved. Yeah, she's still wanted. Yep. Uh, speaking of ads, I honestly wonder what that radio ad was like the newspaper ad i think or well well do you, no she heard uh there was also radio oh, radio ads, yeah oh, that's yeah how they... i know yeah i know that would have been that would have been very interesting i'm pretty sure for for the average individual just the radio ad itself would have been enough to be like this is clear yeah. this is clearly bullshit exactly um this case reminds me a lot of uh the, i think the coricelli case yeah and coricelli and lena marie wilson who were doing the same, like wrapping up money, and you know, doing magic tricks, having them like throw it over the like the off the side of the bridge and all that. Yeah, and burning the money. Yeah, uh, money, money is currency. Currency is something you uh, exchange for goods and services. Saying that that in and of itself is evil is is like might as well saying like a bus tick uh, ticket is evil. You know, it's it's literally yeah. nothing. I, it's it's it's. So, you know, if money's evil, fucking pennies. How about that? <laughs> oh yeah, I fuck it. Fuck pennies. I can get behind that. Those are evil. You need fucking hundred of them to make a dollar, which does nothing. So yeah, that's that case. Uh, fuck her. She's a cunt, and I feel awful <laughs> for the Scottos. I do too. I feel awful for any of any of the victims I mean, that, who have been conned by her. I mean, who knows what kind of things could have happened down the road to that family, like medical wise or yeah. whatever, where they would have, you know, they they could they really would have needed that money uh, to survive. Well, I mean, you see a lot of these, like that that other case, like it was her whole, uh, it was a life insurance. It was, you know, her husband like gave her all this money. It was enough to have her set for the rest of her life and then just gave it all to this con artist. Yeah. And then she had to like move in, I think with a relative or something or whatever, or, you know, just sucks. Uh, just, uh, if it's folks, the, 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 the number one rule for fraud cases is if it sounds too good to be true, and if somebody is saying they can, you know, they are a faith healer or you're cursed, it, it's a, it's it, run away. Yeah. It's a con. Yeah. There's no such thing as faith healers. There's no such thing as people like Gary Magno who can pull cancer out of your body 
with his bare hands. That's not real. So I think when you're in desperate times, though, like you, you, you yeah. want to believe that, like, you know, I mean, even Andy Kaufman did that right. at the end of his life. You want to believe that the mainstream media and the mainstream medical community is fucking lying to me. I just know it. You know, like there's got to be uh, a better way to, you know. Yeah. If I take this miracle uh, silver solution, I'll, I'll, I'll cure uh, cancer, you know. <laughs> Because these people on TV have been telling me that it cures everything. It's like people just... conflate uh, the corruption in the medical industry with, uh, you know, everything they say is bullshit. Yes, the medical industry is corrupt, but if they're trying to tell you you need chemotherapy to cure your cancer because that's the best method we have thus far, that's you could pretty much take that to the bank. The way they try mm -hmm. to fuck you is in the billing department. Yes. So anyway, moving on to the next case here. The, uh, so uh, we have another we have another case that uh, is uh, full of uh, spooky superstition and and uh, the like. Uh, this is about Lowe's Cottage. So not Home, uh, not home Depot's cottage. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a case that was featured on one of the episodes that was co-hosted by Virginia Madsen and she actually I uh, believe she she narrated this as well I think this particular one um and that was a mistake because this isn't really the strongest ghost case by by itself and uh it definitely is weakened considerably by her presence uh, <laughs> damn mike tell us how you really feel about Virginia Madsen I like her as an actress it's just she wasn't what, right not, for not the, the right show. Fit. No. So I am going to be reading from a blog post uh, from a blog called The Shore, and uh, which I find interesting that you know, okay. It, it, but but I think it's from the same uh, offer of some ghost book, so they have a different uh, blog that they share ghost stories with. So this is by Robin Straw Mackey. So big thanks goes to Robin. So, in the English countryside of Upper Mayfield, Derbyshire, England, is a small, rather dowdy country cottage of some antiquity, which, despite its quiet surroundings and distance from humanity, became the center of no small amount of controversy in the 1990s. Lowe's, or Lowe's Cottage, was purchased in 1994 by Andrew and Josie Smith when the couple moved into the dilapidated cottage with their children. Uh, because of its condition, the Smiths had gotten the cottage for a low price, purchasing it with the intention to fix and flip it quickly for a hefty profit. But according to Smiths, that dream was broken when they found out that the little cottage was home to more than just them. According to the Smiths, a spirit or spirits had already taken up residence at the home and did not appear particularly am amenable to sharing the abode with the family. In a television interview for Unsolved Mysteries... Uh, Josie Smith said that she recalled definite temperature drops in certain rooms in the house and reported that in select areas, one could never really see, see the ceiling for the haziness. <laughs> and this reenactment goes way overboard with the haziness. Uh, they turned the fog machine to 11 and like, it's just, there's just fog everywhere. Like fucking Dracula stepped into the room or some shit and turned into his mist form. You're just like, what? 
this is not hazy. I don't go out. You don't go out in like the middle of like a, a fog bank. I'm like, oh, it's really hazy out here. <laughs> I mean, so that because you couldn't see anything. So hazy is like when you can't really see. You you can see that some stuff, but like it, it's it's kind of you know fuzzy like looking. Misty. Yeah. Not not straight up fucking fog everywhere. You turn on the smoke machine. This overall segment was not like one of unsolved mysteries like like finer points. No. But this is also from CBS Unsolved Mysteries, so I think they were they were kind of scrambling for ghost stuff or so on and so forth. So Josie is on record saying, We think the place is haunted. We've seen ghosts, we've seen articles thrown about, we've seen candles move. And in his own interview, Andrew Smith indicated that inhabiting the house is stressful. Inside of you is churning up, expecting something to happen. Even when it's quiet, you're still on edge. He summed it up as being quite frightening. According to local legend, Lowe's Cottage had been home to a milkmaid named Elaine Harry and her lover, a man by the name of Joseph Phillips, back in the 1860s. It is purportedly Elaine's former employer who murdered the comely milkmaid, perhaps due to jealousy, and buried her in the best basement of Lowe's Cottage, where the kitchen is Does now. Does it actually say comely? Uh, that's that's what uh that's what the blog post Jeez, says. That, yeah. That's mean. That basically means ugly. The oh, ugly milkmaid. Oh. <laughs> like, damn. damn. That's that's a little mean article. <laughs> Dang, Robin, cold. Uh, so anyway, upon learning that his lover had been murdered, oh, Philip wait. hung himself in despair. I'm sorry. Comely, I think, means attractive. Homely is ugly. Comely is yeah. attractive. Uh, my bad. Yeah. Okay. I'm an idiot. My bad as but well. We already, we already, already went knew, along yeah, with... we already uh, knew that I was an idiot, so that's not <laughs> establishing anything new here. Okay, so, um... Uh, so upon learning that his lover had been murdered, Phillips hung himself in despair, dying next to the body of his love, according to one version. This sounds this sounds made up. This sounds like somebody, you know, read Romeo and Juliet and decided to make a Scottish version of right. it or something. Like I, I don't I don't buy it. Right? <laughs> or an English version, sorry. Can't blame or I Irish, because I, I think it's Irish, right? Isn't it like but it might just be it's some Irish community somewhere. J- just say the UK and you'll it. kind of cover the whole the UK. The whole basis. There we go. Some UK legend. So the Smiths state that they found town records that verify the existence of the fateful couple. Now, uh the reason why I'm mentioning that is because there is there's a scene in this reenactment with a total Irish stereotype like this guy at the bar is just an Irish he's a living breathing Irish stereotype so you've been to Lost Cottage you know there's a a lot of stories about that place do you mind getting me another another Baileys yeah uh, he he, he <laughs> it, just the the way he talked just it just First of all, it sounded like he had a mouthful of marbles on top of having a Scottish uh-huh. accent, so it was just like oh, just, Irish. I there's think. a story about that uh, cottage there that you should know about. <laughs> it, was, it was, it bothered me. I didn't like how he talked. I normally love Irish and Scottish accents, but this guy just kind of disturbed me a little bit. <laughs> maybe that's the point. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, the scary town drunkard telling tales of. 
shock and awe. Yep. So, uh, Josie Smith contends that she once witnessed an apparition of a young Victorian lady in that very room. Josie apparently turned around to find a woman standing in the room with her. According to Josie, the woman was dressed like a Victorian, with a gathered top tucked into a floor-length skirt. But what was really unnerving is that was when Josie realized that the figure was semi-opaque, that she could literally see the window frame behind which the woman was standing. While the apparition of the young woman was frightening, that was nothing to compare to the events of one fateful night. Josie reports that she awoke from a sleep because of a pressure on her neck. She came fully awake to find that something or someone was seemingly trying to choke her. Andrew, in the bed next to his wife, was unable to help against the invisible assailant, and by the time the encounter ended, both were extremely frightened. And the reenactment, they're trying to make this work, but uh, the the actors aren't really the best, and I don't know. I think it's, it's hard just... to film any ghost story reenactment. Yes. I think, I think for any case on unsolved mysteries or any other show to like be believably scared and frightened right. it, at nothing yeah like i think paranormal activity did a really good job of that um as far as like selling it as like a real thing where people were really scared and shit but like there's a lot uh there was a lot of uh you know ghost uh yeah. you know shows out there where the reenactments are, are are usually just really bad where they just can have like a tennis ball this is the ghost be scared Ooh, yeah and that whole scary like the whole trope <laughs> of a uh, ghost being like transparent like i almost feel like people like learn that from and wearing clothes yeah i almost feel like people learn that and from... teller brought up a really good point in their paranormal uh investigator episode ghost hunters episode like why would ghosts be wearing clothes yeah like why would you know w- w- wouldn't they be naked if they're dead people like i don't when <laughs> ghosts are described as being just like more uh you know just these ethereal mists i can get behind that a lot easier than showing these ghosts where they are like physically wearing clothes in fact you had that uh the comedy store ghost segment where the yeah. manager was talking about how the ghosts were walking back into his office and he was even commenting on the dress of the ghost it's like he was he was dressed like uh in the 1920s it wasn't like a hippie yeah. guy or an, a guy from the 80s like he was dressed like he was like this yeah. 20 like guy with the comedy store ghost thing i buy it more with the dark whatever shadowy thing that's in the in yeah. the uh Basement. And also, I think they were the the guy the manager was saying that this uh like the, the ghost was portrayed as not being transparent in this one. It, it, yeah. The whole transparent ghost thing, I feel like, is something people. It was like a condition thing people learned. It's from, a media. Yeah, it's probably they watch media movies. So their mind yeah. kind of like projects that, and they think they see that. I I don't. It's like the the uh, vision of what aliens. Yeah, are. the gray. Yeah, it's the grays. stereotypical grays, which I mean. That probably has a little bit more validity because that image had to come from somewhere, and I think it. But I mean, there is some similarities between Greys and and other like depictions of Martians and other media. Yeah, but I've seen like those old alien movies, like it came from outer yeah. space, and those aliens look completely bobo as fuck. Like they do. Yeah, I they know. do not look at all. <laughs> the original invaders from Mars. Yeah, yeah, they do not at all look like anything that. It just looks like the fucking. Uh, that that exhaust pipe that comes out of the back of your dryer, like that's what they use for its arms, 
And you know, and fucking uh, ping pong balls for eyes, just cardboard like for the abdomen. Yeah, it's just fucking (laughs) some of those old. You know, granted, that's all they had to work with, but it's kind of laughable nowadays. Like the horror at Party Beach, because the horror at Party Beach, like they literally, the monsters literally had ping pong balls for eyes. Like you can tell, fucking hilarious. But anyway, uh, with these ghosts uh, segments and and stuff like unsolved mysteries. Yeah, there's a lot of times where it's pretty difficult to really show, like, genuine fear. But I think it helps when you have, like, a segment like the one uh, with, what it, it's called the entity, but, it, you know, the one where the, the light bulb blows up. Like, that's something that physically happens, like, in, or when you're acting with somebody who's acting weird and, like, they're possessed, then it's easier for you as an actor to be like, oh, what the fuck? You know, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, but when it's just like, oh, uh, something's choking you, it's invisible, and it's like, oh! Yeah, yeah, like, how do you sell sell that without looking completely ridiculous? So, anyway, she says that, uh, she was choked, and everyone was extremely frightened. Uh, so understandably upset, the Smiths, uh, sought religious counsel in the way of the Vicar of Blurton, uh, Church of England, uh, Reverend Peter Mockford. Uh, the Smiths enlisted the help of Mockford, who agreed to do a house blessing for the couple. Andrew Smith says that during the house blessing, the entire cottage seemed to get visibly lighter, and that the atmosphere in the home seemed to lighten as well. The Smiths' reprieve was sadly shortly lived. That very night, apparently, the ghosts or ghosts began to uh, their onslaught anew. Probably because they're not demons. <laughs> they're not demonic forces, they're just ghosts. Uh, they're probably like, oh, I'm not really that religious, so what do you think that's gonna do? Uh, I'm, I'm, what, you're gonna exercise me out of the house? This is my house, motherfucker. <laughs> I've been here before you. <laughs> so, uh, as the Smiths asked questions and sought counsel from, uh, religious and paranormal experts, notoriety about the small cottage began to build. At one point, the Smiths tried to refinance the mortgage on the home, only to have the bank turn down their request. Probably because they're like, can we refinance the mortgage? Because the house is haunted. And then the mortgage people uh, laughed at their face and hung up the phone. It was at the point that the Smiths did something arguably different from many other families that report having moved into haunted locations. The Smiths decided to sue the former owners for non-disclosure. Didn't the uh, Black Hope... Didn't they sue? They sued on the basis that it was not disclosed that their houses were built on graves. Not okay. Not, so they didn't sue they, about haunted. yeah. They didn't sue because it was haunted. They sued for non-disclosure that their house was built on grave, which to me is a lot more of a valid kind of concern. Because but they probably thought about suing for haunting. Yeah, but they, but they were that, smarter that, that about would, it. They wouldn't take it seriously. Yeah, yeah they so were, they're like they yeah. knew that. Yeah, that would never be taken seriously because because even if you don't believe in ghosts or anything like that, it's like like living on top of a grave, you know, is still like you know a lot of people yeah. are not going to be cool with that because it's just disrespectful. So yeah, yeah, and they won, but then through an appeal, it was the the uh, decision was reversed. Which is lame. Yeah. It's so lame. So the Smith's attorney reasoned that just as an owner would disclose bad plumbing or a faulty roof to a potential buyer, so too should the previous owners have disclosed the home's otherworldly inhabitants. 
Yeah. Uh, well, in some cases, I mean, for instance, uh, the Amityville house, I, I don't know if they did say that it was haunted when they sold it. Well, I mean, they probably did. But when it was initially, when it got another buyer after the Lutzes left, then yeah. <laughs> I mean, fuck. Uh, that people knew it was haunted or it was supposedly haunted when they bought it. Yeah, I don't know much and about some that. Some people might have done that. Some people might have done that on purpose because they're like, fuck it. It's the Amityville house. Yeah. <laughs> some notoriety. Uh, that's a case I do want to cover one of these days. It's, it's quite yeah, an I don't interesting Yeah, I don't case. know much about that one, surprisingly. So anyway... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think disclosing a haunting is the same as bad plumbing or a faulty roof, <laughs> but all right. So the former owners were sisters Susan Melbourne and Sandra Podmore, whose childhood residence the cottage had been for many years. Their father had passed away, leaving the cottage to them as an inheritance. They, they uh, had then sold the residence of the Smiths for a sum of $87,000. The sisters were outraged by the suit, both claiming that they had never in the 20 or more years that they had resided at the property experienced anything out of the ordinary. In her television interview, Sandra states, It's rubbish. Absolute rubbish. We never saw anything, heard anything, nothing unusual happened, there was nothing flying around rooms, there was no vile smells or mists, nothing at all. Well, and Susan Melbourne... Well, you know, in, in, in yeah. the other people's defense, you know, that was their father and uh you know he he wanted his kids to live in the cottage not these other people so of course that's why they weren't haunted he was attacking the outsiders who weren't supposed to be there because when they died he yeah. left them the co the cottage to his kids yeah i mean but i don't think it's supposed it's not i don't think it's in insinuated that it's their father who's haunted but the, but clearly by clearly that's what it is though it's the father i mean you know uh, we as ghost experts know that that's what the deal is <laughs> it's i mean it, it it kind of goes without saying that the father's haunting the place no I, I, if there was a haunting there i don't i doubt it's the father i think it was, it was probably some older you know spirit or whatever but i don't think there actually was a haunting at lowe's cottage i think it is rubbish yeah i i tend so, to believe that myself uh, so susan melbourne agreed by stating that her in her 25 years of living at the cottage she never heard or saw anything unusual and certainly nothing associated with the paranormal but okay to add it to, to provide a devil's advocate there are certain individuals I honestly truly believe that are more in tune with paranormal or psychic activity. So if the, if these individuals wind up in a place that has not really had that much paranormal activity or ghosts or any of this other stuff, uh, I, I think it's not that crazy to think that there could be a place that was not considered haunted or considered this or that, that would have activity of the paranormal uh, type because of them being there. Now, I don't know if, if the new owners are, are any example of, of, of this type, but uh, I, I, I think that there are there, there's something to be said about that. Because I think... Going back to Amityville, I think there might be some uh, legitimate cases for some sort of uh, supernatural uh, stuff that happened, but I think that was tied to the Lutzes, and I don't think it was tied to anyone previously who lived there or anyone that, that came afterward, because 
you had some of the Lutz there. I think it was a father who was in, in, involved in the occult. He was involved in, in, in doing rituals in the garage and all kinds of weird shit. So I think that could have just caused more things to come in, in, in into uh, their presence uh, that were uh, less than desirable, to say the least. So they actually had some ghost hunters that showed up on the show. Uh, they had a camera that was set up that actually showed a candle get knocked down the stairs. And I'm like, they could have faked that with uh, uh, some fishing wire yeah. or something. I, I don't know about that. Uh, at first, I was like, oh, my God. But then I was like, then I thought about it somewhere. I'm like, they could have faked that. To to me, if at the end of the day, like what makes me feel like that, what makes me not really believe this situation is the people who uh, are suing. I just don't find them to be particularly like credible people. Like they just don't strike me as people that that uh, are on the up and up. Like they seem like people who would be very sue happy for some frivolous reason well they were trying they were trying to flip the house so maybe there was something they discovered that what had nothing to do with a haunting that they wanted to uh, get some money for or something um because podmore and actually also they might have countersued they might do this lawsuit so uh they can uh keep the property or or get it for a cheaper price because Podmore and Melbourne answered the suit filed by the Smiths by countersuing for the final $6,000 that they said the Smiths had failed to pay them for the property. So there you go. They failed to pay uh, the rest of the, the money for the property in the first place. <clears throat> well, there you have it. So yeah, they're not th the most trustworthy or reliable witnesses. So the sisters agreed that the Smiths were lying about their ghostly inhabitants in an attempt to get out of paying for the cottage. There you go. You'd be like, I can't pay because it's haunted and you didn't tell me. Yeah. The landmark case was resolved in January of 1999 by Judge Peter Stretton, who ruled in favor of the cottage's former owners, the sisters Melbourne and Podmore, saying, I do not accept that it is haunted now or has been at any other time. Judge Stretton described the actions of the Smiths as extraordinary. I love how, like, he's being very polite about it. Uh, it was, the, the actions by uh, the Smiths is, is extraordinary. In the history of all my time as a judge, I've never seen such a thing. Just utter poppycock. <laughs> rubbish. So, uh, since the court decision, the Smiths have moved out and moved on. Lowe's Cottage has since changed hands, and the new owners made fully, were made fully aware of the supposed hauntings at the now infamous cottage. And nothing in new in the, nothing new in the way of paranormal occurrences has been reported thus far. Uh, so yeah, there's been no paranormal activity through when it comes to any of the other people who have been living in the cottage since then. So seems to me like it's a bunch of bullshit now i think in this case it was bullshit but there there <coughs> there does seem the tallman house i think the tallman house it was the fucking bunk there bed. does seem to be uh ghosts like can attach <coughs> to people sometimes like that energy or objects yeah or objects and and yeah i i i think because a lot of times in a lot of the cases that we talk about 
it's like nine times out of ten, whenever the people move out, which eventually they do, and someone else moves in, they report no nothing unusual. That happened yep. in the Black Hope curse. It mm-hmm. said uh, nobody else in the neighborhood has, has uh, you know, cited any wrongdoing or anything, you know, crazy or whatever. Uh, the Tallman House, it was the same thing. Um, well, yeah, with Black Hope, I think it's just the specific uh, graves that that their home was on. Yeah, but I think, I mean, surely people would have moved in after the fact, and it seemed like, you know, we would have heard about, you know, anything yeah. like that. What, what was the name of the um, the the old couple, that elderly couple? Uh, with oh, the I be- forgot with, the with name. The bell. The, with the bell. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, didn't they move out and and it was like the same yeah. thing? Like no, the there was like no instances had been reported of anything. The only one that you see instances of being reported when they move away is uh, f- fucking Ghost Boy, and we know that's not real. Yeah, we know that was sadly because I really liked that case growing up. But man, we just we I just know. debunked the fuck out of that case. <laughs> <laughs> we just fucking, fucking leveled it. Black hearse. <laughs> mom writing a book on the fucking experience chasing after chasing after them in the fucking graveyard jesus christ um but yeah uh is there a chance that there it might have been haunted maybe but it's it's proving that something uh, a house is haunted is something you can't defend in court (laughs) you can't provide evidence the ghost isn't gonna show up when you know for questioning <laughs> right which is great if you're a ghost because you can print you pretty much have carte blanche do whatever the fuck you want and no one's gonna do anything yeah. about it it's like prove it bitch can you can you imagine that like it's gotten to the point where there's just go imagine like a world where hauntings is just happening all the time and people have just accepted that ghosts are real and this is just something you have to deal yeah. with and and ghosts actually uh wind up on trial you know, every now and, and then, some kind of like like magical to... <laughs> vial that captured them. Yeah, like there's a ghost lawyer. There's there's Ghostbusters. I, I can, I like can already fucking see that as a show on TLC. <laughs> the Ghost Lawyer. God, they are not above doing that shit now either. Like the medium, like a uh, Long Island medium, and her like yeah. big hair. You, you like how TLC it's as big as the sky? You like how TLC used to stand for the fucking Learning Channel. That was it. What do you learn? That's now? the abbreviation, the Learning Channel, TLC. Yeah. Now it's just, it's 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 it's. Um, you learn about trashy uh, sides of society. It's trashy uh, daytime television drama yeah. now. But that's it's it's all a money thing because all those daytime talk shows, uh, trashy life channel. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the Loser Channel. They should just change their name to TRC, the reality channel. It's like these point, sh- really. these channels try and these shows, like these daytime talk shows, like Maury and all that. They try to start off wholesome, but they see there's no, they're not getting views like that. They're like the money's not. That's not where the money's at. I will say this: there are some shows that you kind of do learn some things, at least some psychological stuff. Like for instance, with Hoarders, you do learn some stuff yeah. about why people do these things why uh certain traumatic events in people's lives lead to things like hoarding and also how to potentially you know curb those tendencies or or rehabilitate uh yourself or others in that particular sort of instance or things like intervention so there are some 
But there's other stuff that's just trashy. I mean, like extreme couponing or, or uh, you know, extreme cheapskates or, or I mean, but hey, I'll admit it's enter- some of that's entertaining. <laughs> I mean, I'll admit it. I, I, wa- I watched uh, I watched the heck out of uh, uh, my strange addiction. Like that shit's fucking crazy and entertaining. Yeah, yeah. People who eat rocks. Oh. But a lot of it, there's actually an explanation for that. Like, there's, it's called pica. But then there's other people who are just nuts, just eating fucking rocks out of uh, pill bottles and shit. Or uh, people who drink urine or, or eat cat food or, or drink bleach or, you know, detergent or whatever. A, oh, now you're, now you're getting shit. into shoe nice territory with that. Yeah. <laughs> God, that guy. If anyone doesn't know, look up Shoe Nice on YouTube. He drinks anything. He eats like deodorant, toilet paper, which is a rare commodity nowadays. I don't know if it says rare anymore. Yeah, probably not. At least, at least not over here in in where I'm at. That's that's Definitely so weird not. that that was the thing that everyone. Like, I know that that that. Not, I know it should have been a hand sanitizer. I get. And wipes, or like I cans get. of soup, you know, that can stay on the shelf for a long time. You know, the shit like that would have made sense. Beef jerky or something, you know, keeps for a while. But like, I, I don't, I, I didn't get the toilet paper thing. Yeah. All right, I think that's the end of this podcast. I'm getting hungry and <laughs> irritated. Um, by Mike mainly. Yeah, he needs his he needs his turkey sandwich. That's fix. exactly what I'm gonna go get. I mean, I know that wasn't a hard guess, given that I always eat turkey sandwiches, but that's that's specifically what I'm about to go get. <laughs> so if you want to join our Facebook group, our fan group, you go to Facebook.com, go to the group section, or just type in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries and go, go to groups. We'll pop up. We're probably the top result, I'm, I'm reckoning. Um, if you want to donate to us on Patreon, go to Patreon.com slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Uh, you can suggest topics for our future podcasts. I want to give a shout out to our listener, Robin Lewis, for uh, sending me a very generous Australian snack care package. And I'm still waiting for mine, uh, Robin. We'll, we'll yeah. see. And maybe it's just one of those things. It's just stuff is crazy, you know, with, with shipping and all that right now. He sent so. me a shitload of true crime related uh, documentaries that are specific uh-huh. to Australia. The Australian. Cool. If he sends you the same stuff, Mike, we ought to have like an Australian month and cover. I think I think I think I think he might because he mentioned something about Australian, you know, specific. Movies yeah, that, that he sent. We, so. we, some of our like more like dedicated listeners are Australian. So we should do like a like a at least a few weeks. Yeah, Australia. I, I totally be up for yeah, that. Covering the cases down under over there um and if you want to listen to me and mike but you want us a little bit more separately maybe you want to divide me and mike and see what we're about on an individual level you can do that by going to our youtube channels mike's youtube channel is youtube.com slash ocp communications he is the movie guy he's seen every movie that's ever existed and he oh that's not really true no it's true no hyperbole it's completely true uh (laughs) what was the last video you did so last video i did i just uploaded the first part of my interview with the screenwriter larry block who wrote the 1981 horror film the fun house nice and so i just posted that uh i also have been doing reviews of the Night of the Demons movies. So I posted uh, a re- a reviews of the first two films uh, up on my YouTube channel. I actually got a comment 
from uh, a runner for for the first Night of the Demons, uh, who worked as a runner on the set of of the like film. a showrunner or so, movie runner. Uh, a runner is like a a crew member. Oh, I gotcha. You know. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, so head over there and check out that. Uh, if you want to check out my YouTube channel, it is youtube.com slash dancingwithghosts. Um, funny that we just talked about ghosts for this last segment. Um, I cover music-related things a lot of times, but every now and then I'll talk about video games, and that's what I did for this last video. I talked about my top 10 favorite video games of all time, and uh, someone... Because I, I did a video of, uh, like seven months ago talking about video games I just wasn't able to get into that everyone else seems mm-hmm. to love. And I got a couple comments in there going like, I want to hear your, the 10 games. Like, what do you like? Yeah, what do you like? What do you, what sh- shit do you do like? And I had just come off a string of doing like negative slanted videos. So I was like, I'll do something positive <laughs> for once on my channel, even though positive videos don't really get the views that negative ones do, sadly. And I'm easier uh, at negative than I am at positive, sadly. Uh, Although I, I still thought you did a good job with that video. Yeah. It was nice to see your passion and and. So it was so it's it's always for, fun for making games. video game videos. I, I they have the most rewatch value for me. I usually don't rewatch my old videos, but if it's a video game video, I will cuz Oh, and also if you're looking into video games, I did start a playthrough of Indiana Jones and in the Kingdom not not the Kingdom, uh Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb. Did you ever secure that Xbox controller? No, uh, I just finally put in a bid on eBay and did a best offer, and I pay. I, I should have waited, but I, I wanted it now, so I paid like seventeen bucks to, to just get, you know, a, a used controller from Is it eBay. The, uh, was it the S series where that? Yes, the okay, S series. Good. I'm not. Du- I'm not fucking with the, the Duke, dude. man. That, my hands. My hands are the tiny. The Duke can go to hell. I got. I got I got tiny girl hands, so like no, I, I ain't fucking with the I, dude. even even uh, size aside. <laughs> like I hate like the buttons were too close together. Yeah, they, they had all kinds of design. I could when I was a teenager and that thing came out, I couldn't believe that was the actual controller that they were selling. Yeah, it's like are you motherfuckers? Have you lost your mind? Like, <laughs> why? Uh, like. But I mean, it, it, that's how They're I feel all, about some of the they, the resellers they only want, on eBay. They only want basketball players to play their system, apparently. Yeah, I I, uh, I feel the I feel that way about uh, resellers on eBay with original Xbox controllers losing their minds. I mean, like, well, Duke's twenty five, thirty dollars. Yeah, Dukes are more thirty dollars. They're, they're more sought after because they were, you know. But it wasn't the Duke though. These are S series. Oh, I'm okay. talking about twenty five, thirty. You know, Jesus. and some guy's trying to claim it's rare. I'm like, it's not rare. They're original Xbox controllers. There were like thousands of these things made. Yeah. Well, and then a guy trying to charge over $120 just because it's in uh, plastic. Well, see, steel is always going to get a lot more value. Yeah, but I don't understand that with with things like controllers. Like, I get it for, you know, a cart. I get it for original whatever in box game or something. I would get it. I would get the sealed price for a controller only if it was for like a Nintendo 64 controller. Yeah. Where those analog joysticks crap out. And yes, yes, you can replace them, but it never feels the same. The feel. No. You gotta get the first party OEM 
Nintendo 64 controller. Don't get the second, don't get the third party, no, you know. They they are never, it, it's just, it was. The Mad Cats, was, you know. Actually, the Mad whatever. Cats weren't that bad, but Mad Cats is that, it doesn't produce those controllers anymore. For N64. Uh, oh, the Mad Cats Xbox stuff? Like, because I've heard a lot of stuff about how, like, the first person shooters in particular, like, the the analog like oh i drips. i don't know for the so then, xbox like but for the n64 yeah. we had two mad cats controllers and they were pretty good but then you can't really find those anymore either but the first party uh nintendo 64 controller was the best but that analog stick grinds out in the bottom part of it it, it over time and, and it just gets loose and it's got all this travel to it yeah. and it just so I can understand, yeah. yeah that I understand, N64. but any other controller, like, no. It's a fucking S-series Xbox controller. Yeah, that shouldn't be... Although, the original <laughs> Xbox kind of has, like, a cult-like status now, I feel, because it was just such a... Yeah, but it would be like trying to sell an, un- an you know, an unopened, like, PS2 controller. It's like, yeah, for, like, that uh, amount of money. Be... Well, I think I think that wouldn't be as successful, because just for the simple fact that PlayStation controllers have just remained the same for so long that, like, there's not a huge difference between, like, a PS2 and a PS4. I mean, mm-hmm. there are differences, but it's, you know, the layout's the but same. But, yeah, the S-series is, is such a drastic difference when it comes to Xbox. Yeah, it's actually like, playable, I mean. unlike the other one, which isn't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't like paying eBay prices, but fuck it. I, you know, there's no Goodwills are open because of Phase 2 being pause so i'm not because honestly that's what i would do that's where i got my the reason why i'm looking for controllers is because i guess my parents just mistakenly thought that all oh, the controllers and stuff was my stepdad's and then they get, gave them away so then i i don't have any controllers so that's why that's why i had to so i have to get controllers for like my xbox the only thing that i still had was the xbox without the power cord and the AV cable, which I had to all buy separately. Damn. Um, but yeah, I used to get. I would find controllers for the S series controllers for the Xbox like all the time at Goodwill, like for like five bucks or something. So I don't think they're worth. Yeah, that you got to jump on that shit when it's available because, like, you know, th- that stuff ain't always gonna be around at like Goodwills and like Walmart. How they have like we. I used, they used to have like NES games. Oh yeah, and, like, that's Super what I'm Nintendo saying. They have they stuff. have that oh, that shit that's like just unpopular enough for no one to really want to buy it. But that's when you do need to be buying it. Like people who are video game collectors, they need to be buying Nintendo 3DS games and Nintendo Wii U games right now because. Those are going to be valuable in the future to collectors, and right now is the time where they are readily available. They're cheap, they're easy to come by, but it ain't always going to be like that. Yeah, I get, I get. Uh, I've been buying uh, Selecta, these Selecta Blu-rays and stuff from these uh, boutique companies that are in limited, you know, limited copies that are available because I know, like, if I don't get it. They're limited runs, and it's going to be out, and then I'm going to have to pay double or triple the price later, and I don't want to do that. So, yeah, yeah. I that gaming, the whole vintage gaming stuff, prices and all that, that's bleeding over into movies now. Like, it's like, it's rare, or there's not a lot of copies. People are going crazy over slipcovers, paying, like, double, triple the price. You know, for a used copy because it's got a slipcover. Yeah. yeah, we're at that point now in 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 my collector community. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's my hunger moan. All right. Uh, uh, that I that is you. the end of the podcast, you guys. Uh, we love you, and uh, you know, don't take uh, our opinions too seriously because that's all they are. And uh, I'm sorry if I offended you. And yeah, I, I, you know, I, I can see how some statements, you know, could whatever. But uh, we're just being honest. You might not even know what we're talking opinions. about right now by the time you hear this, because I might have edited some yeah. of it out. You never know. <laughs> But we're just being honest and sharing our opinions on what's going on in the world, and you don't have to agree, and we're totally fine with just that. Just be respectful. If, if we got anything wrong, you'll let us know. Yeah. All right, until next time, guys, have a good rest of your night. Bye, love you. See ya. Now it's time for me to play you a new song from my band, Dancing with Ghosts. If you like the song, check us out on Spotify and like us on Facebook. Thank you very much. Can I see you? I can show you a really good time. When are you free again? Tell me why do you never reply? No, you can't be reasoned with. Too many questions can't take a hint. No, I don't know what you're back. Stop staring at me like that. I wanna touch you. Am I making it perfectly clear? Don't you dare deny me. I just want you to leave me out